Welcome to Oaken Bros. I am Eric. And I'm Michael. And we have an amazingly special guest uh, today with us, Robert Tuckman. He's an author. He's a podcaster. He's an entrepreneur. He's basically written the book on building a business. And like, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, Robert. So like, I've been researching both of your books, The 100 Sporting Events You Must See and Young Guns, The Fearless Entrepreneur's Guide to Chasing Your Dreams and Breaking Out on Your Own. You're marrying sports and business. But before we begin, before we begin, you're a New Yorker, right? Yep. Okay. Is it Jets, Mets, Islanders, <laughs> or is it Yankees, Giants, Rangers? And be honest. I'll, I'll be dead honest with you because Please. it's really interesting. I grew up in Westchester, and most people from Westchester are Yankees, uh, yep. Giants fans. And, and like you said, it usually – and, and the Knicks are Knicks are combined. Knicks like, are always because you know no right. one rooted for the Nets. The Nets were never in Brooklyn, right. and and right. in any case, so it was always you know um, Yankees, Giants, Knicks, and Rangers. And then the other side, you had Jets, Mets, and Islanders. And Islanders, strangely yeah. enough, I mean, I was born in Queens, and it's really strange because my dad was a Giants, Yankee. He's from the Bronx. Giants, Yankees right. guy. Um, although he became a Brooklyn Dodgers guy, he actually was a pitcher, uh, for their, their minor league teams back in the wow. late forties, early fifties. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so to answer your question, I'm a freaking diehard Jets fan. Uh, unfortunately, All right. I'm a diehard fan. If I showed you my, my, uh, office here behind, uh, or that other way, you would see a lot of that. Unfortunately, season ticket holder, diehard fan. Which is very strange because most of my friends are Giants fans. You poor thing. It's it's horrible, man. I can't tell you like that. If I took one team, and okay, the other strange thing is I am both a Mets and Yankee fan, which is really unusual, right? And I I've always rooted for both. I rooted for the Yankees, and like I mean, I think I pull more for the Mets just because they're I'm an underdog guy. You feel bad, right? You feel you bad. Feel bad. You totally feel bad. And then um, I've been a Rangers fan. I I bought season. I had season tickets one year. The year I came out of college, I bought an eight game pack, and it gave you every playoff game. Very and nice. That happened to be ninety four. So I was in Section 340, Game 7, when they beat Vancouver. Um, so that was, that was incredible. Um, and when, um, when uh, what's his name, announced at the end, this one's going to – I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Who's the Rangers' uh, main uh, announcer? Um, oh, God. I can't uh, – he's so known. John Davidson's partner, uh, John Davidson's partner. Um, anyway, when he said this one's going to last a lifetime, he really meant it. But anyway, that's my deal. And I've always been a Knicks fan, but I've been turned off by him, you know, over the last 20 years. And so, uh, I mean, anyway, that's, that's my New York sports. I mean, Mike, I have a question. I mean, you know, when do you think sports is going to restart in this whole COVID-19 yeah, let's jump right COVID-19 into it. era? Yeah. I mean, like, this is this is unbelievable what's going on. And like to think that there may not be an NFL season is just bonkers. Like what, what, what are your thoughts? What have you been hearing? Um, I just think that, um, you know, being an NFL season and, and from what I understand is that 
they're definitely going to have it if it means, um, you know, playing without fans. I just think that the league makes way too much money from broadcasting. Um, yep. and there's no way. And people just need it at this point. Um, I am sure they're going to have it and they're going to have um, seating, you know, be spread out, I'm sure, to start until people get comfortable. Um, but my thought is, is that um, I would definitely go at this point. You, you know, I'm living here in New York City, the epicenter of it all. But like I, I would right now we're talking, you know, we're taping this in, in May. I had no qualms going in the next few months. Right. Right. Yeah, we, we agree. We are hearing like businesses are going to start restarting possibly in July. And I'm assuming everything else is just going to follow suit. You know, I'm hoping. I, I just think that like we need to, you need to get back. And I understand. And I'm someone, my mom actually had it. Um, she's 88. She was in oh a my God. She was in a home. And I know she okay? Cuomo's. Uh, she, okay? she is. She, she totally, yeah, man, it was, it was really bad. She was at the point where, um, you know, it could have went either way. We couldn't see her. We couldn't get to her. She was on a home in here in New York City. Um, they were sending back COVID patients from the hospital into the home. She shared a room with three others. She definitely had it. Fortunately, she recovered. It was so botched what the state what happened there. Um, but fortunately, yeah, she's doing much better. So I preface what I'm going to say with, you know, with that being that you got to get the economy back rolling. Like you have to get people out there, whether it's six feet apart and wearing masks or whatever it is, we're going to do far much more damage to not just our economy, to our people, um, you know, to mentally and like other issues. So I'm hoping that, you know, especially, I'm an experienced guy. You guys are experienced guys. That's your business. Like, you know, like we, everyone's craving to get back out. I think just, there's a lot of people who are fearful and panicked and the media has done a number on, you know, 100%. Yep. in terms of the reality of this. And I just think that at the end of the day, you know, moving forward and having a plan, I agree you do it slowly, but you got to do it. You got to push it. And now we're much smarter. We understand where the vulnerabilities are in our society with older people and, and um, just, you know, there, there's ways where we were totally unprepared, but now things need to come back. And I'm really betting big that the experience economy, what you guys do with transportation services, with live events, like people are going to need more connections. So I'm hoping, you know, we can just not get shut down by, by our lawmakers. Yeah, I think that um, it's going to rely on the associations, the companies to innovate, to make people feel comfortable. You know, I mean, we're, we're innovating across the board to make sure that our passengers in the back of our cars are going to be safe. Our drivers are going to be safe. You know, we're putting in decontamination centers in all of our offices so our chauffeurs are yeah. going to be decontaminated. It's for their safety more than anything. And then, um, you know, it's that stuff is going to have to happen across the board. You're going to go to Disney. You're going to wear a mask. You're you're going to be sprayed with chlorine. Yeah. And and you're gonna and you're gonna go about your merry way. And and I think that's just what's going to have to be at every single stadium. And uh, uh, just going forward, it's, it's going to be like the airlines everywhere. Yeah, Robert, do you think it's gonna? Do you think it's gonna be permanent? Do you think that when you go to when you go to the Meadowlands, that you know MetLife Stadium, you're going to go in and be decontaminated in two seasons from now? 
in three seasons from now? Do you think this is going to be permanent? Uh, I think degrees of it will be. You know what? It totally reminds me um, of 9-11. And I remember going yeah. back to the stadium, which I was actually at Shea Stadium uh, for Piazza. And uh, wow. that game after, um, after coming back um, in 01. And I remember, like, if you look at 9-11 and we were totally unprepared, same type of thing, and there weren't security measures in place at stadiums and at venues. And now when you go to a stadium, you're going through the screeners. And, and you know, it's interesting because I think certain areas we've laxed. I mean, we've gotten better with technology about security. But I think this is the same type of situation where now hygiene and paying attention to that and whether you're going to the gym and really cleaning your mat afterwards. or And I think for a couple of years, people are going to be totally freaked out and probably doing it every day. But just like humans are, in a couple of years and things you get, you know, I think it, it becomes a lot easier not to do that. And that's what I think is going to really happen. But at the same time, there'll be permanent things like you guys are implementing with your businesses. Yep. Like that's important. Like, you know, like you said, the shields or protection of your drivers that I think those will continue forever. Yeah. And right. I, I honestly have no problem with it because we know that small steps make big changes. And while one just wearing gloves isn't going to work, but if you wear a mask, you wear gloves, you wash your hands, everything's disinfected across the board in stadiums everywhere that can, that can affect positive outcomes. Yeah, and I think it's a good thing, you know, like if people see like, you know, I'm, I'm never like that, but I have so many friends that are freaks with like germs and like, you know, crazy, like, you know, and if they feel more comfortable, if we all feel more comfortable in terms of having those necessary things to make you feel protected, um, then I think that that's great. I just think the way I look at this and I'm hoping is that you know, they come up with a vaccine, they create it, they, they get it um, where people just like the flu, you can have a flu shot or this or polio, whatever it might be, you have this vaccine. And I'm really hoping it's not until another 100 years until there's another epidemic, like, you know, but again, it could be next year, it could be 10 years from now, but like, you know, just like a terrorist attack, you know, look how many tries there were or has been and still are like every day. Um, you know, so you have to, we have to prepare for it. And that's the only way you learn, you know, you go through these crises and you change. And that's what I'm hoping happens from all this that like, you know, that we learn from it and we grow from it. You wrote a book called Young Guns and you want, you're teaching entrepreneurs on how to chase their dreams. I wrote a book called Just Ask the Universe. And it's still after almost 10 years in the top most 100 read spiritual books on Amazon. That is awesome because it's, my kids, sorry, my right, kids right. make fun of me because they looked up my book and they yeah. said that, look at this, this is hilarious. If you go on Kindle and you want Young Guns, you can get it for free. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of, listen. That's KDP. I'm telling you, that's I'm telling you right now though, yeah. it's that book, you know, a lot of books and not to say yours or, like there's really good books, but I've learned that there's a lot of books that, hey, if you get on Good Morning America, you get on and people, you get a buzz, it goes viral, people read it, buy it. But if I tell you the content that I really love in that book is that it's about gritty, which you guys know probably more than anyone. It's about gritty entrepreneurs that like, you know, what you need to do, not about the kids coming out of, you know, Stanford and whatever and being like, 
hey, I'm raising millions. It's about like start from starting a business from like ground up, self-funded. The the content in there, I mean, I wrote that 10 years ago, but it just, you know, and even from doing my podcast, How Success Happens for Entrepreneur, I've learned that like entrepreneurs, they're all the same. Like especially the gritty ones that are optimistic, that go through challenges, that they, they all have to be persistent. They have to be optimistic and and just work really hard. And that book really, if anyone who's read it, and there's very few people, would understand that like that's like that's what that's about. So I, I love and I'm proud of that book, even though my kids mock me that they're giving away for free on Kindle. You know what? I, I put out Just Ask the Universe in 2011. I made it 99 cents because I didn't give a shit about the money. To yeah. me, it was about helping people. To me, it was about, you know, I wrote a book on the law of attraction and I've helped hundreds of thousands of people all over the world get the job they want, the, the spouse they want, the business they want, everything they want. And to me, that was, you know, yeah. and, and, that, and that launched my book career. I've written 20 books since then. Wow. And I have a, I have a literary agent. I have a film agent. I have all, I have all these people working behind the scenes for my, the Michael Oak career. But, we're still, we're still you know, waiting to, to make a dime, but it's <laughs> no, getting there. No, it's <laughs> such a, I mean, look, I, like you guys know in past business and uh, selling my company to CAA, uh, I saw on the, it's really tough. I mean, just how hard it is to get stuff. I mean, kudos to you for creating you know, and writing books. It's my, and it's my mom. My, my mom became my publicist. My mom's an avid reader. She wrote 85 books. Oh, geez. She 85 children's books. She's a, she's a beast. And Eric, where are your wrote, books? He wrote uh, one. I wrote one. Right, I wrote right, one. That's good. But, but uh, no, I focus more but, on social media. Which is What happened was when, you thing. know, um, it, I don't want to make this about us, but when, when Uber came out, when Uber came on the scene, we didn't know how, what was going to happen to ground transportation. I've been writing since I'm 15 years old. And we, my mom started promoting these books and, and we were writing every night. I write a book, she writes a book. So we just started promoting it. But like, I, I don't want to digress too much. I want to know how people can use Young Guns today. Can, can people take the wisdom of what you put in Young Guns and apply it to today? Our father passed away two years ago. He, Sorry. He, no, I appreciate that. He smoked his whole life. <laughs> he, wasn't giving, he wasn't giving it up. I he get he had lung cancer 15 years ago. He beat the lung cancer, the longest wow. living survivor at Sloan Kettering. Wow. And, and COPD got him. He went out in 2018, uh, February 2nd, 2018. And Eric and I had an opportunity as a 40-year-old. I was 40 at the time. Eric 39. Eric was 34. We had an opportunity to take BLS, our family ground transportation company, and, and, and go fucking huge, right? Go really big. And what you say in Young Guns, we, we applied. That, that we, we pounded, we used social media. Eric became this influencer. He won the Gary, he was an honorable mention for Gary V for, uh, I don't know what you did for mo yeah, most, there was, most. At the end of the year, there was a Gary V challenge. And um, you know, I made honorable mention for LinkedIn where I focused most of my, um, my marketing on because it's just B2B. Um, right. And uh, if your kid wants to come in, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll interview anybody, we don't care. Come in and say hi, just don't say anything mean about anyone. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, no, can young, guns, can young yeah. guns apply today? Can How young could young guns apply today? Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I'm talking about the book you mocked me about yeah, on that zero dollars. Um, so anyway, how it could apply today? Um, it's really that same message. Look, that book 
And I swear, regardless of the technologies you have today and the difference in the business, it goes back to the same point in that book. And this is why I love, because I can pull that out 30 years from now. And any entrepreneur like you guys or anyone who has started a business from the ground up will relate to that book because it tells about the story of what it's like to build a business from the ground up. The same successes, the same failures. The end of the day, it's about persistence and optimism. And I keep a quote on my desk, which is um, always something that this book is is it says a winner is just a loser who tried one more time. And to me, to me, that that's the basis of this book. So regardless, like, you know, I hope one day people pick it up in kind of retro, but if I'm a young entrepreneur and I'm going out there and I'm starting a business, I can't, you know, I can't tell you how, how good that book would be. And that, that's how I wrote it. I wrote it as someone who had just started a business, built it up, sold it, and it was my first business. I started at 24. And what was that? What was that business? Take, take us to the beginning. Take us to the beginning. I, so, I'm fascinated by this. I want to hear your story. So my, my story is basically I came out of school. I wanted to be a um, broadcast journalist. I wanted to be like, uh, you know, a writer, ESPN. I wanted, to, I wanted to basically talk sports and be involved in sports. And that's what I studied in school. And I came out and it just was so hard to get a job. And I ended up saying, you know, went to Wall Street, funny enough, went to work at Lehman Brothers just because I needed to make money to survive. And I was in their stockbroker program and I hated it. I was in six months and I was like, this is miserable. I need to do something I love. Life's too short. So I went to work, found a job actually reading Entrepreneur Magazine, read about a company in Chicago that sold um, mag like they had local sports magazines, and I would sell ads in these sports magazines to media buyers or um, companies and you know big brands. And um, what happened was about a year in, I just had this light bulb because I would be selling these ads and including you know perks like, hey, if you buy this ad, we're going to give you tickets to the Knicks game, or we're going to give you a trip to the Super Bowl as part of this advertising bundle package. And I realized that the buyers, all they cared about was the perks and the, average, the, the experiences. So at 24, I started a company called TSE. It was Tuckman Sports Enterprises, later became TSE Sports and Entertainment. And I brought on a partner uh, probably six months later, my partner, this guy, Brett Sklar. And we built that business um, into TSE Sports Entertainment and sold it nine years later to this private equity firm called Finkston Partners out of Chicago and worked with them to, um, to build it up uh, into a company that was acquired by a company that was recently acquired by William Morris Endeavor for $650 wow. million. And wow. um, so part of our original business is part of William Morris Endeavor now, which is funny because the next business we sold to CAA. Um, but but that, that was my story. It was gritty. It was starting with nothing. Selling something, you buy, literally, you buy a computer. You sell something else, you buy a fax machine. You sell something up, you get your a logo. Like, it was so gritty hands-on like no money like we didn't have a loan we didn't have we didn't even have our own cash you know it was it was so 
so like just you know i equate it like i I love people who start restaurants and those type like those are real like gritty entrepreneurs so anyway that that was my story of of how i started and Mm. um you know and then went on and i've always been an experiential um that's my that's my thing that's unbelievable you know i feel like we're all there now like everybody's everybody's baseline is zero so to speak yeah right now and like right. now's you know there's no better time to just dig deep and to and just to innovate the shit out of out of what you have to do to get business started again and i mean listen in the in the first few weeks when this happened there was we were definitely cloudy and we were definitely not excited yeah. but once we lifted the clouds and we started innovating we started getting excited and then we started realizing that we are bringing something new to the market here that is going to help people get back on the road. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And like, thank you. you. That's, you know, changing and growing. And, you know, that's why I think in terms of like the business we're in, you know, people who say, Oh, I'm going to be doing virtual. Like I am telling you, like people need more of a connection. And when they, you're going to see that. And I go on record as saying like, everyone was like, you know, we're going to be doing Zoom calls. Yes, you're going to be doing, there's going to be much more um, of an aspect of people working from home. People need connection. They need human connection. There's only so much virtual will do for you. And I think at the end of the day, people are going to come out of this. They're going to want to have protections like what you guys are doing within your your, mm-hmm. your cars, um, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's great. Now, I also look at, this is a great time to be going out there and to be starting a business with this knowledge of what's just happened. And like people might say, Oh, you're crazy. But I think like you guys and other entrepreneurs listening to this, they get it. They understand like out of the 08 crisis, so many incredible businesses like Uber were born and like other type of, you know, companies that came from that and big time companies are going to come from this as 100%, well. 100%. So it's a hard time because you hate to see all the job losses and people getting, but you know what? New businesses are going to be created and it's going to take entrepreneurs to create them. And that's why you got to get the economy back rolling. I agree hundred uh, percent. Mike, do you have a question? Cause I had something that I want to say. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So, awesome. you know, I, my definitely a big passion of mine is social media and I, it wasn't like that for a very long time. I've only been on LinkedIn for about a year and a half now. And just within that year and a half, the exposure has been unbelievable. And it's, it's changed the way we run our company. Well, explain and, how dad didn't want Yeah, to. you know, our dad was a very private guy. And he liked being behind the scenes. He liked having the mystique of having a VIP car service. No one knows who the owner is. Yeah. And, but we just run a bang up service. And it's a privilege to use us type thing. And, and that's great. And that took him to his level, but we know that we wanted to go to our level. So we kind of, we had to put ourselves out there and we had to find our voice online. Hence why we started a podcast and then we, you know, distribute the content all to all of our platforms and whatnot, you know, I want to know, I'm always fascinated by other people that do it too. And I know that you have a pretty prolific following across all of your media. How did you build your social media um, that, that's a, I, social media. So LinkedIn is really where I have focused over the years. I've actually been on LinkedIn since 2004. I wish, uh, <laughs> I wish, uh, when that, when I saw LinkedIn and when it came out, I was first off, you know, all of my clients and many my businesses have been corporations and people who work for major corporations. 
So I saw this as the perfect tool, not so much, you know, Facebook and, and, you know, Instagram came later, but LinkedIn was always this perfect B2B social platform that for me was an area where I can, you know, build my brand and create. And I've learned a lot and I haven't, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going to do, and I like to do a lot more because just in like the last, since you guys have been on, like just how it's exploded and expanded and like knowing the social, like I don't even still feel like I don't know enough of how to use the social and the video. And, but, but to the point I've been on it since 2004 and I made an effort early on to connect with people, even if I didn't know them, but like we were connected by one, you had to be connected at the time by one person. And um, I've really made an effort to connect with people in different businesses that I was doing business within um, to really link to them and to become, um, you know, uh, uh, link to them, to learn from them, to grow from them. It's just, I can't praise LinkedIn enough. It literally built my last business, hands okay. down, built my last business. Um, and I continue, I love to use it now. I love the fact I'm doing a podcast for Entrepreneur Media and there's a lot of exposure through Entrepreneur um, but I'm still learning better ways to promote it and how to do it. So I'm, I'm totally open, you know, Eric, to to how you do that and what you yeah, do. I mean, you know, I want to learn more. I can't take I, I can't take credit for it. Um, but you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm sure you do. I know Gary because Gary and me met um, at the Jets Steelers playoff game in Pittsburgh in 2000. He's also a big Jets fan. Um, and we knew the same guy, this guy Jeff Fernandez, who's at the Jets, still is at the Jets. So I had met him early on when he was uh, had his wine business, um, and I recently reconnected with him in the last couple of years. But I don't know Gary well. Uh, mm-hmm. I just know him from from that. And um, in any way, he's a master at um, you know that's what how he built his business. He was the first guy out there. I mean, he was doing videos out of his like I remember um, out of his store, and I was For like, wine library. Yeah, this dude's yeah. crazy. He's kind of funny, like. And look, lo and behold, look what, like what he's done. He really became the expert. Yeah. And you Anthony know, Robbins, hang on one second, Eric. I, in 2002, I went, 2001, right after I had this like crisis, like this, after break up with an ex-girlfriend and I found Anthony Robbins. Yeah. Like, Anthony Robbins took me from like my MBA, which I got, yeah. took me from my MBA into my career. And I took my parents' business because Eric was still in school and I took it from here to here. And then Eric came in and we grew it from there to there with the support of our mom and dad and the whole company and everything. And then Eric came in and Eric was searching. We were all lost. I was, I, yeah, I, I, I just, I, you know, I had, I had, to, we had to dig deep. We knew we had to right. get on there, but to find a voice, especially when you're trying yeah. to sell to other businesses, it's, it's really, really hard. And that's, that's the $64,000 question. And then we figured, you know what, Michael and I have conversations every day. And we're like, why don't we just record it? You know, like I, I think it's interesting. We, we, you know, and and, and that's how Oakenbro started. And basically, the Gary content model is. Eric yeah. is an introvert. I want you to know that Eric is behind the scenes. I'm, I'm like the David Lee Roth, right? Like yeah. I'm in the front. Like I want to talk to everyone. I want to hear about your entire life story. That's what fascinates me. Eric was always the guy who's like, yeah, sure. no, yeah. Right. No. So, you and know, I, I realized that if I wanted, to, if I wanted to take it to another level, I had, 
that had to, that had to stop. I had to grow up. Yeah. So you know you you know, and how did I do that? You know I I had I had to create shticks. You have to you have to talk about what you know, and and that and that's that's basically that. So the Gary Vee content model is you have one pillar piece of content. So for us, it could be a podcast. It could be an event that we did. We'll have a hundred cars lined up. Um, it could be an employee outing. It could be a meeting. Michael and I will go to L.A. and we'll film the whole thing, and then we'll take that and we'll make micro clips of it. And then we'll subtitle it and then we'll go and just put it out on LinkedIn. One, you know, four or five, one minute clips a day. And you just disperse it all around social yeah, media. Are there any good companies that could help you like that you use to, I've been just looking up some like that could help Not you yet. with like, just, just even like, you know, like Canva or any of these. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a guy and you, got, uh, you, know, Robert, you, you know, honestly, it, it I have a guy that I can introduce you to. That would be he's awesome. Amazing. But um, you know, he's, he's he's from Newfoundland. I found him on Upwork. I love Upwork. it. Upwork is a freelance site, and we got so lucky because he understands us. I love that. And you I know, love, I would love someone like that. Like that's a hard thing to find, and someone yeah. like things like Upwork are great. But like you know, to find that and someone you're happy with who's done a good job. I mean, yep. like because everything is your brand. You're putting that out there. Hundred percent. Also hard. I've learned like LinkedIn and stuff. It's like. You don't want to self-promote, and I've been totally guilty yep. of that. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, and yep. it's yeah. like people people get turned off, and like it's like, how do you do it in a way? The podcast that I do is good. I get some you know guests on that also will promote it, and but like you know, how do you how do you build a business but not turn people off? Just by, just by, hold on a second, just by doing right. what we're doing now, you talk about it, you talk about your journey, you talk about how amazing you are, you talk about all the amazing things that you're doing, but you don't, say, listen, we're in the car, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, we're in the car service business, everybody has the same cars, everybody has the same drivers, right, right, everyone's got Escalades, everyone's got Mercedes, it's all the same shit, so how do you differentiate yourself, you have to be you. And you, you have to sell you. They're buying from you. Yeah. And, you, and if you give them value, like this interview next week, or it's going to be live on Monday, uh -huh. I'm going to make one minute clips of profound yeah. sayings that we're doing. And it's just going to be, and I, unfortunately, I'm doing it myself now because of the whole COVID-19 thing. Yeah. We had to lay off a bunch of people and stuff like that. So I'm, sure. doing, I'm doing everything for my iPhone. Yeah, that's you awesome. Sell, you sell without selling. And that's like the Tommy boy principle, right? Your head's up the butcher's ass. When you don't know it, if you're trying to be like, we have the best cars and we have the best drivers yeah. and I have the best pocket, we, we don't do that. We talk about who we are as people. I will tell, I'll tell you a real quick story. My mom and I went to Vegas. We were meeting with the head of a hotel, the owner of a hotel. Won't divulge who it is. But my mom knew this guy for 20 years before that time. And we have a limousine service in Las Vegas. And we sat down with him. And my mom sits down next to him. And this is like when I just started out in sales. We opened in Vegas. I was, I was a young gun. I was hot. I was... I was trying to make a name for myself in our industry. And my mom sits down with him and she didn't ask him anything except how are your wife and kids? How, how's your daughter doing? Did she, did she get past that problem that she was having? And she, I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, we left the guy. We won the contract. I'm like, Ma, how long have you known him for? She's like, I've never met him in my life. I love that. That's a one-on-one. That's, that's a one-on-one in selling. You know, yep, people that buy people they like. And I've always been like that too. And not because I've, I've been phony. I just always liked, that's why I have a podcast. I've always liked right. talking to people. I've always liked finding out their stories. I'm interested in people. And I yeah. think that comes across when you're selling anything. But you know, the one thing with you guys though, is the difference between I've said in different services. And I know you guys have worked with CAA for years and, and 
you know, definitely recommend you guys. It's an incredible experience. But, but that's what you guys are selling. You're selling an experience because, like you said, everyone has the same cars. They don't have the same drivers. They don't have the same quality of sure, what the of service is. So I, I think at the end of the day, what you guys really sell is an overall experience, especially in the business you're in. It's experiential and it's part of the experience economy. And that, that's what you guys really, at the end of the day, are selling. That's what people come back for. Yep, 100%. And we say that everyone has, everyone has the same drivers, meaning that you don't go to school to become a chauffeur, right? No one went to college to become a driver. It's generally their second or third go around. Yeah. We are. And, and, it, and we put, you know, they put food on their own tables, but like there is a certain gene pool that, that, you know, that's what a chauffeur is. Yeah. But yes, the experience, and that's what you did too, right? That's what the 100 sporting events book is about, the 100 sporting events you must see. That's what you did, right? Like you created these packages for, for people to go see these insane events, like these once in a lifetime events. I took my son to WrestleMania at the Meadowlands <laughs> last year. Uh, he's 12. He's going to be 12 years old. He's going to be 12 in a, in a month or so. It was one of the best experiences of our life. I got as close to the ring as I could. I mean, it was, it was epic. It was yeah. epic. And I went well, to the, um, we went to Beth Page Eric last year. What was that? The, um, US uh, Open. The, the Open, right? Yeah. Wing yeah. Foot? Was it a wing foot? The, um, the golf. Or Beth Page. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Beth Page Black. Yeah. Beth Page Black. Eric, our yeah. bank took us there. Yeah. And we were like, yes. Yeah. These events, they're, they're, there's moments in your life where you walk into Disney World and you'll never forget that moment for, you, for the rest of your life where you show your kid what Mickey, who Mickey Mouse is or where you walk into the Meadowlands and you're in the middle of WrestleMania. My son and I will never forget yeah. that. What is it about? Like, what do you sell? Like, what, what are you yeah, building like, for people? So, right. so basically, I mean, my last businesses, I've always had businesses. You know, these guys termed uh, this, this uh, or coined this term, the experiential economy back in the late 90s, where they said we were moving towards an experiential economy. So just like your concept, the concept of you buy a Starbucks coffee, it's not really about the coffee, you know, the commodity coffee yeah. bean is two cents. I don't, I don't even know, right? But you're right. buying $5 coffees because of the experience you get from going into Starbucks 100%. The barista, and it's just the feeling of being able to sit there. So my businesses, going back to the 90s, have always been based around experiences. And another thing you'll note is that there's been numerous studies that experiences bring true happiness, not material things. And I think that for a host of people over the last 20 years, starting with millennials, like that's how they see it as well in terms of buying experiences over material goods. So my business has always been about providing unique, one-of-a-kind bucket list experiences to people. The first business was focused on the sports experience, going to the Super Bowl, the Masters, the Final Four. Exactly the, the, the you know, I, I go back to, I used to love walking into Shea Stadium or Yankee Stadium and yep. walking up the little, you know, the runway until you could see the field. And it'd be yeah. like, oh my God, this is like heaven. And like, yeah. that's, that's the experience and sharing it with other people. So the business of 100 sporting events, the book was, I wanted to write a book that I've been, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to like Kentucky Derby and, and final four and, and all these events. And I wanted to have a book is what are the greatest hundred sporting experiences? So in any case, I came out with the book, hundred sporting events, you must see live, which it's great now, but it's outdated. I would have started if I did this, four years later as an app, 
Um, but anyway, it, it's still relevant because most of the events happen year after year, like Masters right. and Super Bowl. And um, but anyway, so that that was the basis behind that book. My next business was. Goviva, which we started to do experiences not just around sports, but people's interest in fashion and culinary and these other areas that were really big. But it was always about delivering unique experiences, and that's what people were purchasing. And that's why my business has always been about giving people great experiences, selling experiences. Amazing. What was the best, what was the best sporting experience you've ever been? Top five sporting events that you went to that you will never, ever, ever forget? Uh, well, I would say the first going down, well, I mean, going back, I, me and my father went to game six of the 96 World Series. Um, wow. My father passed away a few years ago as well. Sorry to hear that. Um, to hear that was the game the Yankees won uh, to win their first championship in like, you know, since the 70s. Um, that was up there. Obviously, uh, the Rangers. I went with my friend Bill Zeltner to the Rangers. Uh, I would say there's two Rangers. The, the game they beat the Devils um, in that year, 94, to, in Game 7 at the Garden, uh, the Mateau game. And then the, um, when they finally won the Cup, uh, that's up there. One that was incredible, uh, my father-in-law is a diehard Giants fan. I took him to the Super Bowl when the Giants wow. at, after 18, they were 18-0 and 0 or whatever. Yes. Um, and yes. I was a huge Jets fan. He's a Giants fan. And it was just, it was so amazing um, yes. experiencing that. Uh, that we were in Vegas for that. We oh were in Vegas for that. We I were in Vegas for that. So my wife was pregnant. My wife was three months pregnant with our son. And we, yeah. were the Vene- we were at the Venetian, all right? We had, we had homes there. We sold them a couple of years ago since our dad passed. But we were living in Vegas for yeah. every sporting event. Real quick story. And my wife and I were watching the Super Bowl. Eric, you weren't with us, right? I think you were gambling or something, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, was, I think I was, was probably table. gambling with his – yeah. yeah. He was playing craps or something. And, like, there was, like, maybe, like, three minutes left in the game. And I knew that my wife was three months pregnant. I didn't want her walking through crowds and dealing with the shit. Yeah. I'm like, you know, Sharon, I'm like, the Pats are going to win. This is bullshit. You know, I, I can't watch this. I'm like, let's just go. Let's go to the car. And I go to the car and, and it's just the casino is like dead silent. There's like nothing happening. And my uncle calls me. He's like, did you just see the catch? Yeah. Like, my, our uncle Kevin, who's our CFO, yeah. is like a massive sports fan. Like that's his life. Like yeah. I think he's seen every Mets game from first inning to ninth inning for the last 50 years. Yeah, yeah. 50 years. No joke. No, I know. And, and, I, and I missed the catch. I yeah. missed that catch. It was David Tyree, right? David yeah, Tyree. David Tyree. Yeah. And I got back to the house and I saw it. I'm like, I just missed the greatest <laughs> catch in the history of, of the NFL. And it was all because I had to get my wife out of the Venetian because I didn't want her going through crowds. But that's a true story. But that, nah, you, hey, were, you were there? You yeah, were there. I, I was there. It was in Phoenix, Arizona. But, and I'll say the fifth event um, was, I like talking about this, was um, – I actually have only been to one game at Foxborough, at Gillette Stadium. I've been to many games at Foxborough. Actually, Gillette Stadium, because I, I went to Boston University, but Gillette Stadium, when the Jets beat the, um, the one game I went to and bought tickets to, 10 rows, 50-yard line, was when the Jets actually beat the Pats, believe it or not, back in, I think it was the 09 or 0, one of the two when they had their runs for the AFC Championship at yeah. that game. And... Um, and that was probably, those are probably my five, but I've been to 
there's other events that I've loved, like Kentucky Derby is one of my favorite events in the world. Like I, if, yeah. I, if I'm someone, yeah, and then even I'm not a big golf guy, but the Masters is an incredible event. Um, you know, and I've been to Super Bowls, Final Fours, uh, you know, I've really been fortunate to go to, you know, the ones I gave you were really just like, they had a personal interest, but there's been so sure. many great events that, um, you know, I've been to Daytona 500 and things like wow. that, that they're cool, you know, and that's what that book's about. It's about what are the biggest and best events um, that, that are out there and what's it like to experience and like, how do you go about experiencing it? You know, it's funny, like, I think this is really, this is a great time for you to be talking about this because I think it's easy to forget what life used to be like. And now we're, 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 we're stuck home. And, you know, it's, it's making me upset Yeah. because, you know, like you want to go out and have fun, you know, like, listen, I'm comfortable in my house. It's fine. We got a pool. Like, you know, we go on bike rides yeah. and stuff like that. But like, you know, you know, you, you, you want to go out and, and have some fun and, and experience very- the electricity. You can't get that electricity on a Zoom conference call while we're having fun with you. Yeah. And this is great. To be no. in a room next to you when that catch happens yeah. at the stadium. No, there's, there's nothing, been- nothing better. And that's, that's why I'm a huge believer. And it's, you know, when you see people thinking this is the new normal, this, it's not the new normal because humans aren't made to be separated from each other. That's the difference 100%. between humans and, and, and others in terms of they want to be connected. That's what brings true happiness. So anyone who's like, I'm not going to live my life, you know, tied into a house in, in my apartment, you know, away from connecting and being fearful. And just like 9-11 with terrorists, like I'm not not going to stadiums now because I'm worried, you know, uh, someone's going to blow it up or whatever it might be. And all these fears, like I think this going through this these past few months, I've even realized more. And I'm really hoping that that's what happens, and I believe it really will, that people will want more connectivity, will want to get Love out it. there more. And, like, that's, that's what's got to happen because it, – it, and things do. You know, people forget we're living in this right now in the heart of it, you know. Um, but, like, you come out of it, and, and hopefully, you know, you're going to see people not being fearful. And that's, that's what's got to happen, and I am a true believer it will happen. I got to tell you, I, I'm sure you've experienced this. This is not directed towards you. But you have an, our audience hasn't experienced electricity like a fight night in Vegas. Oh, God. We, we went, we, my brother, my dad, and I, we saw Holyfield versus James Tony. Oh, it was yeah. the first boxing That's match we've one. ever been to. Yeah. Where Holyfield got knocked out. My dad, who, who wasn't much of a sports guy, he would watch the big events, but he wasn't like as a diehard like other people. He was more of like, let's my shoot dad, guns and eat salami type of guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loves yeah, salami. Exactly, gamble. He was a big gambler. My dad jumped out of his seat when when Holyfield was like this. My dad's like, yeah. "Oh my God, knock him out!" We saw uh, uh, Mayweather versus um, what was that? I forgot Vargas. Eric, uh, yeah. My bachelor party. Eric yeah. and I went. It, it, these you you are one hundred percent right. It's the experiences that will bring people together. High fiving people at a Jets game is like nothing you've experienced. I took my son to the Denver versus Jets. The best. Here. It was, we were third row behind uh, the goal line, uh, behind um, the goalpost. They, it was, we, we had friends there. Everyone was like, yo, it's like this camaraderie that people go to. And you can't, we can't experience that now. Like, I, you're not a golf guy. I, I think nah, like, one sport that, I mean, don't get me wrong. Right? Like, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't know. I play every other sport too. I'm, 
I'm a sports dude, like basketball, I'm on four softball teams. I've golf has frustrated me so much um, over the years <laughs> that I, I just, I mean, I'll golf with my friends and I love, have fun. Like, there's nothing better than being out there, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a golf guy. And even watching, really? not a golf guy. I, I'll watch pretty much any sport with a ball and I'll watch the big ones. Like there's nothing like the masters. Like right. I'm not a golf guy. Um, but no, I'm much more of a football, baseball, basketball, a tennis. I will, I, you name it, cricket. I mean, like I'll watch anything. Like, really? Have yeah. you been to like soccer matches overseas? <laughs> no. You know what's funny? I've never been to a premier league game. And I would let is on my bucket list to go yep, to like Manchester, yeah, to, to Liverpool. Um, I root yep. for. I would. That looks incredible. Like that's. I'm still glad I've got a, like a few of these. Like I want to do that. Um, I've never been to. Uh, been to Olympics. Been to World Cups. Um, that I guess World Cups and overseas soccer game. I, I went when it was in Germany. Actually, that's where I got the the thought to write 100 sporting events. Um, when I was at the World Cup in Germany in '06. Um, and was like, I think it was 06. And I was like, this is, this is cool. Like this, there's nothing like that. But to get back to your guys point, like the experience economy is going to get back and people are going to come back stronger than ever. I truly believe that. I love hearing that. That, that, that brings that like melts my heart because it, it's frustrating now today that you're hearing the government saying, well, you know, schools might be closed now until January. I mean, my kids might be home. I have a 12 year old and an eight year old. Oh, and yeah. You know, like they, my daughter wants to go back to school. My son, yeah. not so much, but like, you know, by the way, if you ever want to play golf, I mean it, you would be our guest. Eric and I are absolutely God awful. You guys, yeah. But it's, the, the point is like, you're out there, you're drinking, you know, you're, you're having fun with your friends. Yeah. It's, it's fun, you know, but if you That's ever want best. to join us at a golf game, we, we'd yeah, love you that. guys would have loved my own, in my old business, um, the TSE business, we had a whole division that sold golf trips to Scotland and Ireland. Wow, crazy. And oh I went on one of our, our tours there and um, I literally walked off. Uh, what course was it? It was like, not, it wasn't the old course, but I, I walked off. Um, shoot. Was it Bally Bunyan? We went to Scotland, Ireland. Uh, I forgot. I walked off a course no one walks off of. And I, I hate to really? say it because you guys as golf guys and people who love golf, but I was just so frustrated hitting the ball like 10 feet and like then hitting it again. <laughs> and all the guys I was with, like great scratch golfers. Yep. And, yeah, I just, I and I just walked down the course and I was like, I, I admired the beauty like in Scotland. Yeah. Um, but, but you gave up. Yeah, I gave up. Man. <laughs> yeah, like I it happens. I, you know what I can't stand about golf? I love it. I like going I'm more. I like going because it's just outside. I'm with my brother. I'm with my friends, and it's totally. Just, it's it's a nice time. It's an experience. You know, I'll play a golf game, and I'll be like, I figured it out. I know how to play golf now. <laughs> I did it. And then the next day, we're like, we got to go out the next day. Horrible. It's like I've never played golf before yeah. in my entire life. So bad. Robert, what are you doing now? So like you. So built those business. What what is what do you do today? Like what's so your, today? Um, what's we're your nine um, I'm a podcast host uh, for Entrepreneur Magazine for How Success Happens. Um, so I've been this past year. It's been incredible. I've had conversations like these with entrepreneurs. I, I've learned. Felt like I've gone to business school um, with some right. of the uh, people I've spoken with and talked to. And I've done that for the past year. Uh, this summer, I anticipate. Um, which I could talk to you guys more about probably once we launch in the next 
month or two, um, I anticipate launching two businesses um, that uh, that I've kind of uh, been trying to figure out now. So I, I can't wait to get back in and it's going to be nitty gritty kind of run. Like I can't wait to jump back in. And especially at this time, because like I said, like going through this, I think Eric, you said it before, like I've reevaluated a lot, what I really want to do, what I want to be involved with. I'll just say a lot of it um, focuses around things that I've enjoyed this past year, podcasting and the other is wellness and experiences within wellness. And um, you know, I, I, I've really learned a lot in the last couple of months and I'm totally psyched to hit the ground running and launching these. You know, now more than ever, you're definitely now more than ever. I, th I really think your business is going to be essential to people's mental health. Um, because I feel like we're all a little bit lost now. We're cloudy totally. and, and we forgot how to live. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're, we're getting by, but you know, if we want to live, you're going to have to like pull it out of people again. Yeah, I think it was, and I think it's a wake up call. This what's happened just in terms of what we have gratitude for, like being able to hang out with friends, like, you know, see friends being able to, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's so important with what coming out of this, like you said, mental health wise, like taking care of yourself. And I think wellness regardless was an exploding category within the last 10 years. But like, I think people just realize now, like what's really important, like my health, you know, like number one, without that, like, what do you have? And like, this has taught us a lot with this virus. Like what does everything else really matter if you don't have your health? You know, that's exactly. I, yeah. I learned that I when my father LinkedIn. died, when my, when our, when I, our father I, died. Yeah. We, yes, absolutely. And I put that on a LinkedIn post. That is so amazing that you said that. I said, okay, everyone, we don't have the business anymore, but you know what? I still have my health. And, and people forget about that. You do. And unfortunately, like I, I always remind myself, I have to meditate each day to remind myself about having gratitude for health. And, and I, I haven't had to remind myself lately, but I know a year out, two years from now, like I really take the time each day to remind myself because, you know, sometimes you get caught up in, in stuff that is irrelevant or you get upset about, um, until something big happens like this or personally to you, like a, a parent's passing. Um, and I just think like for me, that's how I want to live the rest of my life is in that gratitude and taking care of my well-being, you know, and, and my family's well-being. But like yep. yeah, that, that to me and not getting caught up in the bullshit of, you know, like business and, and, and situations. Like I think I found myself in over, ye over the years that I guess it's part of it's getting older and a lot of it's going through what we've just gone through. hundred you know, percent. Um, one more thing I want to ask you, um, have Can you I had have any, one more question after yeah, that? Have you had any like mentors, influences, books that you've read? You know, like we're big into law of attraction and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, Michael's guru is Tony Robbins. I, I adore that. I, I adore Gary Vaynerchuk. And, you know, there's been other books along the way, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Wallace Waddles, The Science of Getting Rich, and also just people you meet in life that influence you. You know, what have your influences been in, in those? Uh, I had a really, two things. One, I'll give you a book and I'll give you an influencer. There's a guy who recently, unfortunately, passed away. This was just prior to COVID and he wasn't that old of a guy. Um, and many people in the travel industry know him and he's always been a mentor and someone I've looked up to just more as a human being, as an incredible business person, this guy, Barry Lieben, who Barry, um, which you guys might know just from being in the travel business, 
he started a company called Zell Travel, which became yeah. Travel yeah. Leaders. Um, yeah. I was Barry, Barry built a billion dollar business by acquiring, tra actually, interestingly enough, out of the last crisis uh, when, when he built a lot of that business. And, and uh, Barry, just as a person, was always this guy that just knew kind of things we were just talking about, like what is really important, what matters, and just always was there as like this, this uh, person I could talk to, guidance, and like, uh, I love him, I've always loved him. Um, you know, uh, he, he is definitely a mentor of mine. I've had other ones too. Um, but, uh, and then book-wise, um, you know, it's funny. It's a funny title. It's kind of, I always looked at it kind of like as a cheesy title. Uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends. How to win friends and influence people. But I will yeah. tell you, from what the content is in there, it goes back to exactly what your mom did in that conversation with the big, um, you know, hotel owner in Vegas of talking yeah. about people want to talk about themselves. The reason they go on podcasts, the reason they do podcasts like or not that is they want the most the thing that you can get someone to like you or build a good relationship is and that's the basis of this book is by letting people talk about themselves and like like we said you can't fake it you have you know if you are genuinely interested in other people then that's going to come across that's some of the best salespeople ever people who are just interested in genuinely authentically interested in other people and and that's what that book is about. It's I've read it again just recently, and I read it every couple of years just as a reminder, especially when I'm launching businesses. But but that's you know that's if you're that if you're stuff. if you're in the launching business mode, highly recommend you read the Science of Getting Rich. Totally by Wallace Waddles. This book it was, was written in 1910. I love it. It was written before an audio book too. It's it's really it's a really quick listen and a quick read and it's become like a bible of ours that I, I'm going to totally get that and read it and it's funny the Dale Carnegie book this goes back to like it must have been he wrote in the 40s 50 like it was over 50 60 years ago but it's yeah. everything and like I told you my book Young Guns the Fearless Entrepreneur even though no one reads has read it um very few people um and my daughters mock me because it's free on Kindle. And I say, go read it if you can, if it's free on Kindle, because the content is still relevant. That was only 10 years ago. But the content, if you want to be a gritty entrepreneur or know what it's like, like you guys, mm -hmm. the content's good. Well, um, uh, before, before my final question is, yeah. where, where can everyone find you? you know, give the links, give your book names, tell everyone to the universe where um, they can follow you, where they can connect with you? Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram. It's, I've been trying to build up my Instagram following. It's Tuck Tuck, which is T-U-C-H, T-U-C-H Goose, like Duck Duck Goose, very creative. Like um, on LinkedIn, it's just Robert Tuckman. It's T-U-C-H-M-A-N. Um, but the best place, like also, like if you listen to podcasts, as, as I'm sure you do, because you're listening to this right now, um, is... Uh, it's called How Success Happens. I'm the host. It's Entrepreneur Media, Entrepreneur Magazine, um, where we interview really uh, interesting entrepreneurs. Um, that's where you could connect with me. I love connecting with people. So even send me a connection on LinkedIn. Um, and, uh, and anyway, like that's totally where, where you can find me. All right. Here's the deal. So I don't know why, but I've been a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan for the last 20 years. I've watched 
every Tampa Bay game. I've never been to Tampa Bay, but every time they played the Jets or the Giants, I always managed to go see them. Do you think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to go back to the Super Bowl with Brady and Gronk, Gronkowski? I don't know about Gronkowski and how good he, he is, but I will tell you one thing. I am literally my birthday cake my daughter made for me. I swear to you not, had a picture on the cake of Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform because I have, and I can tell you now, I have so much respect for him as a player and athlete, and he is no doubt by far the best quarterback I've ever watched, and I've watched Montana, Elway, Marino. He is is hands above those guys just in his – mental preparation and, and yep. just how much he means to a team. Um, and yes, he's had Belichick, but to answer your question, I would have no doubt if I saw him in the Super Bowl. I still don't want to see him in the Super Bowl because I have so much anger over all those jet seasons we had to go <laughs> against him. And maybe that will dissipate in the next 10 years. I hate seeing him in the Super Bowl every year. It'll be a hell of a lot easier seeing him in a Tampa Bay uniform than a Patriots uniform. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't tell you this. I wouldn't be surprised, man. The guy is, is so good. He's exceptional. I am a New York fan. I'm a big Jets fan. You know, I love I it. For any New York team. If the New York right. team of the Buffalo Bills, if they're in it. Mikey. Tampa Bay. Yeah, I know. We're let's, get out. let's wrap it up. Yeah. All, All right, guys. Robert, I appreciate the time. Robert, Thanks so thank much. You. Yeah, I'm going like, to pause now. Leave Hold on. Like, subscribe, leave comments down below, and find Robert on LinkedIn and connect with him, everybody. That was Thanks, great. guys. Thank Thanks. You.